That was very good. It is a vivid reminder to us that sometimes we get so worked up about uh, our agendas and making life work that we miss the most important things. If you have your copies of the Scriptures, please turn to Philippians chapter 1. I was thinking this morning and talking to Narita (laughs) about all the things that have happened in the last eight weeks. For instance, uh, Dominic, Jackson, and Ashton have joined us here at the Providence Church family, the three babies. Uh, By the way, last year it was girls, this year it's boys. Um, Congratulations to uh, Brian's, boy, Jimmy's, and uh, uh, Sean's. Uh, And I don't promise to keep that in order as as the... children, but we bless you for that. We had Good Friday and Easter. Uh, It turned into summer quickly. Uh, You know, in our household and in our world, Narita and I uh, managed a major renovation at my place of work, and it looks completely different than it did eight weeks ago. Uh, We are painting our house outside, and uh, that's why I have a strip down the back of my head. Uh, I was wearing a hat yesterday that had uh, banding and it and a middle strip and um, uh, it's a shadow mohawk. But anyway, uh, I I became a part of a pastors group that has been meeting regularly, twenty five different pastors from the community, and that's been a really good thing. Some of that, if you notice, traffic changed in the last eight weeks. Uh, many of you had an abrupt end to going to school going to the schoolhouse and uh, shopping change and all these things. And, and each of you could tell a story about that. When things are stripped down to their basics, though, and we're kind of um, forced, uh, we're, we're staying home. The, the, the relationships that we're closest to sometimes come into perspective. And the things that we really need come into, we, we, we see them. We see a different perspective. And I, I, Andy said something about perspective and then the children's story, and it all fits together. I'm, I have a slide presentation uh, this morning. I want to think about this morning about living with eternal perspective. We could talk about you know, how we responded and all that, and we, maybe we should at some point. Now, one thing I do want to bless you for, the church family here at Providence, is the respect that I've felt over the last uh, you know, we've had to make some difficult decisions, and whether we agree with it or not, I felt tremendous respect, and thank you for that. But it, I think that it, the past eight weeks have taught me to kind of step back and say, what, what perspective am I taking here? So I'd like to read the passage uh, in, in Philippians 8, Philippians 1. Oh, by the way, the other thing I noticed is uh, there is an outgrowth of men's facial hair. Uh, I had a pretty nice one, and I could not live with myself anymore when it got warm, and I shaved it off on Friday. Uh, I looked much older, too. Um, So, anyway, uh, Philippians 1, I'm going to begin reading in the middle of verse 18, which is a a paragraph division. Uh, Paul has been talking about how some are preaching Christ from a place of rivalry, uh, by the way, you should know this about the Philippians church, the church at Philippi, uh, where Paul is writing to, is that, that in this church, 
there is some discord that is happening. This is the place where Paul had went to, and uh, he couldn't find enough Jews, so he went down to the riverbank and met the woman Lydia on the riverbank, the seller of purple. They had a church service there. He introduced them to Christ. They became Christians, and then there was a demon-possessed girl that was selling her wares or her foretelling abilities, and, uh, and Paul cast a demon out, and for that he was put into prison. And in prison, uh, they are in stocks and bond. They are chained. And he and Silas are singing for joy because... Uh, why, why do you sing for joy when you're chained up? But anyway, they're chained up. And there's an earthquake. Remember? And the doors are opened. And, and uh, the jailer comes in. And that's the seed of the church. So the, <coughs> the church is made up of a variety of people. There is some discord, though, happening within a church. There is some rivalry happening in the church. And, and Paul is writing back to them, and, and they've supported Paul a great deal over the last 10 years that he's been there. And he's saying, though, that, you know what, at the core, at the, at the bottom of everything, there is Jesus. And it is not the Jesus, it is the humble Jesus. It is the lowly servant who came. Remember Philippians 2? Uh, he said, who, who though in the form of God did not count it equality with God, but made himself a servant for us. That's the core of what Paul is trying to teach them. But we want to look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 through the end. Yet I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but at but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that you may have ample cause so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus so that whether I come and see you or am absent I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, when we think about perspective, and I think Paul is, putting, is trying to help the Philippian people. By the way, he's in prison when he writes this in another city, in Ephesus. So he is writing back to people who had seen him in prison in Philippi and saying, I'm, still, I'm in prison again. And he, he goes through this thing that we are so familiar with. He says, I wish I could die because to die would put me with Jesus, and I want to be with Jesus. But it remains necessary that I te keep teaching, and so I will do whatever is necessary. But Paul also understands something about perspective. Now, when we think about perspective, the only way I know how to talk about perspective well is to think about it through the lens of art. Uh, let's have the next slide, by the way. Um, 
the, the, well, let's look at this. The state, uh, what is perspective? The state of existing in space before the eye. The state of one's ideas, the facts known to one, etc., in having a meaningful interrelationship. The state of one's ideas. We all have different ideas, um, but sometimes when we pull those together, or the faculty of seeing all the relevant data in a meaningful relationship. A mental view or a prospect. And, and so as we, as we think about the last eight weeks and we think about going forward, we think about striving side by side with Jesus, we need a perspective that is bigger than ourselves. The only way I know how to describe it well is to look at art. Let's have the next slide, Mike. Um, this is a staircase. This is a famous staircase. But I want you to think about the numbers. The numbers all are related. If, if, if 238 is off, then that puts a stair out of perspective. How many of you ever gone up and down a stairway and one of the stairs is out of sync with the others? It doesn't have to be much. It can be half an inch and your feet can feel it. It's because the perspective has changed as you move. Uh, give us the next slide. And, and this is a good way to think about Well, let me stay here. Think about the lines here. The lines all connect. Oh, next slide. This is a, uh, an, uh, an artist's uh, rendition of, of, of perspective. If you took that stairway now and put it like this, think about the angles. And all the angles go to one point. See how the angles of the stairs... Uh, that is, if one of these stairs is half an inch off, it would throw that line out of whack. That, is, that, that place out here where all those lines come together is called the vanishing point. And, and I, I'm going to illustrate how this works. Uh, next slide. So the, okay, so this is... I have two paintings. These are both paintings that are painted in the 1400s. So Renaissance-era art. This is a painting called The Reconstruction of the Temple. Uh, in, in, the, in the 1400s. Now notice one thing about this. What feels odd about this painting? Does anything feel odd? It's out of perspective, right? So the artist is trying to say that this, see the size of this person in relation to these people? Or the size of the building in relation to the people here? And, and it, it, something about it just feels ship. It's out of perspective. And if you tried to take these lines and draw them out, you'd draw over here, and you'd get some vanishing points, but they're things out of whack. I'm going to take you to another painting. And this, uh, this painting is uh, Perugina's fresco at the Sistine Chapel. It is 10 feet high and uh, 18 feet long, 10 feet 10 inches high and 18 feet long. It's a fresco in, in the Sistine Chapel. I want you to notice a couple things about the fresco for... Uh, does, does this painting feel different than the other one? Sure it does. It feels like perspective. Think about this. This line going here. This line going here. See how these lines come in at an angle? And they, they, there's the vanishing point is somewhere in there. The open doorway. Uh, this is, by the way, uh, uh, St. Peter being given the keys. Uh, and there's a reason it's in the Pope's chapel. But um, we'll let that one lay now, there's a couple odd things about this painting. If you notice everyone's eyes, most of the eyes draw you right into this center part of the scene, except this guy right here and this guy right here. They're looking out at us. Now, do you notice anything different about these people? They're not dressed the same as these people. You have to, you have to look at it at home to look at it. But these are, these are the, the, the apostles. 
these are, this is actually the artist. Peragina, he's looking out at us. And when you draw into his eyes, his eyes look a little funny. Um, and this guy is looking back. This guy is one of his contemporaries. Everyone else is, being, uh, is, is looking in except the people who are outside the scene happening. It gives perspective to it. There's also uh, the buildings are in perspective in the background. And, and the, the vanishing point is actually the horizon back here. In art, that's an important thing to make art feel balanced. Go uh, Next slide, Mike. The next slide, uh, this is where it's located in the Sistine Chapel. Uh, uh, now the next one, Mike, will, will give us the this, is the... this is what artists do when they create perspective. This is the, the, that's the vanishing point. So it draws your eyes right into that. Now what does that have to do with the Christian life? I think it has a lot to do. I think that if, if we try to live our lives without a proper perspective, a proper vanishing point, a proper place where all the lines of our life fit into, it will create a painting, a life, that is out of balance. All right, next slide, please. So I I would like us to think about developing perspective and and think about uh, three pieces of this. Uh, First of all, there is something about the discipline of redemption, of understanding that, that we need redemption. Paul says in in verses 19 and 20, he says, For for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul is saying that I still need redemption and that God is a redeemer. In the last eight weeks in, the, in our lives coming up, as we go into the unknownness of this summer, it is important for us to keep in perspective that God is a redeemer. I like what somebody said this morning. Uh, Tim, you said that this morning. So God, say that again. I want to repeat that, what you said about God. It doesn't work in spite of difficult times. He works through them. And that is the whole point of redemption. As we go through difficult times, as our lives get shaken, as the foundations that some of us have built on kind of get shaken, then we need something much bigger than that. And God works through those situations to redeem us, to change us. And uh, the second thing I want you to think about is the discipline of perspective. Sometimes we have to step back from the smallness of our own lives and say, what's bigger than myself? What's bigger than my situation? It is really easy. I have had a number of days as I'm driving from Berlin to Millersburg home in the evening where I feel a great deal of despair, thinking, what in the world? Um, and even, to this, even today, I don't know what the future holds for my job. I am in an industry and in a world that relies on travel and people often coming in. Now we have local support and so on. But it feels often like my foundations are being a little shaken. And, and sometimes I, ha- I need that perspective of stepping back and saying, Jesus, there is, what is bigger than, than that? And what is bigger than that is, is that is that we need to look beyond the present. This is hard for all of us to do. But we need to look beyond the present and we need to say, what are the foundations? And I think we need to do this practically and every day. We need to say, what is it that I'm building on? 
What is it that I'm doing? What is the foundation? We need to return to the foundation ideas. And we need to develop our spiritual lives. If there's the other thing that I've thought about a great deal is, is as we've spent more time together as families, how many of you felt a little bit of a, the rubbing aspects of being together as a family? Huh? Hmm? We have. Well, no, I have to be, and I'm guilty of lying. Okay, we have. And what that shows us is that we still need to work on that part of it. That's an important part, and that is the most important part to work on. I think that as if we feel this tendency to react, to react to the political situations, to react to the whatever those things are, when we feel that tendency to react, we need to stop and say, Jesus, what is bigger than that? And that's what I need to build on. Think about what Paul does here. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can we say that? Can you say that? What are you building on? What am I building on? And we also, I think, need to understand what true joy is. True joy is not found in possessions or experiences or shopping or eating out. Although that'll be fun. True joy is found as our hearts find a resting place. And if there's one thing that I've really felt over the last eight weeks, it's restless. You too? Just want to get out. Return to some normalcy here. And when I feel that, if I stop and kind of go back to that place inside me and say, what is it I'm really looking for? And at that place, if we can find Jesus, it gives us perspective to be able to handle life. The third thing is the discipline of delayed gratification. Paul says in, 25, in verses 25 and 26, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul wanted to die. It's obvious he wanted to die. He's in a jail in Ephesus, probably in horrible conditions. And he just wants to die. He's lived a full, rich life. He's given so much. He said, but I'm willing to wait if it means that I can still contribute to the kingdom. And how many of us can find that place inside of ourselves where we say, okay, this is not the way I chose, but... Maybe this is the way that God wants me to learn something. Historically, whenever people, the people of God have experienced uh, changes, suffering. I, ha- I hesitate to call this suffering, but changes. One of the calls in that place has been for us to repent. To look at our own lives and repent. And I want you to notice then what Paul does to the people at Philippi. So the discipline of redemption, God wants to redeem something in us. The discipline of perspective, stepping back from the smallness of our ideologies and views, and they are plenty. If you don't believe that, just look at social media. They're plenty. Stepping back from those and saying, 
What is bigger than that? What will stand the test of eternity? What is it that I really want to build on? I appreciate what Andy said in his testimony about reflecting. People are watching Christians today. Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am not together in church, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Note the word he uses there, striving side by side. It's one Greek word. It means uh, to cooperate vigorously. To make an effort in the cause of another. So, striving side by side. Not striving with each other. Not fighting with each other. But fighting side by side. For what? What are we fighting for? The cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we need to see, what will give perspective to everything else, is there is one thing that will unify the body of Christ. It, it, doesn't, it isn't even agreeable thinking. We don't even have to all think alike. It doesn't have to be the same kinds of clothing. There is, unity is only found in when, we, when we together embrace Jesus. When we together embrace Jesus, notice what Paul says, you're, you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind. And this is a church that has been rent apart by different political views, by discord, by false teachers coming in. And Paul's saying, bring it back together. What's the core? What's the base? Where is the vanishing point? It's Jesus Christ. And when we can do that together, all these other things, then we can fight together for the sake of the gospel. Unity is found in a person. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in agreeing in all the same ways or wearing the same clothing. We all have experiences with that. And, and, and both sides. And I think that it's time that God's people say, you know what? Our hope is built on Jesus Christ. Our vanishing point is Jesus Christ. That's what gives shape, sense to the painting of our lives. We embrace that. And so if you disagree with me, you have a right to be wrong and I have a right to be wrong about these other petty things. Because remember, these other things are just petty. They simply are. Because at the end of time, what will stand the test of time is Jesus Christ. So we find our vanishing point, our hope in that. And we fight together for that. In the last eight weeks, I have found it incredibly freeing to occasionally... I haven't done this all the time. There are a few times when I've seen something that people have written or done that I've kind of raged. Well, you know, and it, but I've also found it incredibly freeing to say there are some times when I rage and I'm wrong. And so I'm going to band together with the people of Jesus, and I'm going to further one thing, Jesus. Jesus is the only answer. And then Paul says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ 
you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So there are times when the people of God will suffer. And when we do, we can hold on to the fact that he is bigger than that too. Is that all my slides, Mike? Now give me the, the next one. So living with this perspective. Live a life worthy of, of Christ. That's, it literally means behave as a citizen worthy of. And he also says, do not be frightened. I, I missed reading that part. It, it says, uh, and in verse 28, do not be frightened in anything by your opponent. Let me just free you up with this. Your opponent is not a person or a political party or an ideology. Your opponent, the devil. Our opponent is the devil. And, the, and, and, and he is intent on one thing, to divide and to destroy. And Jesus came to bring life and healing. And so it is just, reading this passage was a good reminder to me to not be fearful. Don't be frightened. Because at the end of time, what will stand the test of time is Jesus. I have had to do some tremendous repenting and I'm still in the process. Ask my wife and my dog. This morning, my dog was at the butt end of my uh, anger. And I realized as I sat there hollering at him, well, actually, it wasn't the dog. It was a squirrel that ran across our backyard that sent my dog into a tirade when I was trying to finish up this most important thing of speaking to you. And you should have heard me holler at the dog. Okay? It's funny. But how many of us are at that place where everything small kinds of sets us off? And that is a sign that maybe my perspective is just a little bit wrong here. That when I paint that line, it doesn't quite match up out here. And it'll create that first painting, which is equally famous, but it'll put it out of whack. Let's pray together. Stand worship team can come up. Lord, I thank you this morning for the gift of providence. And I pray that as we uh, go into this week, as we face the unknownness of this week, that you, that we could make you our core, the central place, our vanishing point. I pray that your power would move in our midst I pray the places that I need to repent that you would give me the strength to repent. And same for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, protect us. Protect us from the wiles of the devil who wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. Protect us from disease that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Protect us from our own selves. Well, actually, help us to repent of our own selves. And help us to move from a place of viewing other people, other Christians, as our opponents to viewing them as people that we are going to fight with.
together, side by side, in a much greater calling, in a much greater battle. And I pray that you would heal us, that we could bring healing to our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Remember, after the service, if we can do our visiting outside, it will help um, with the guidelines that we've committed to.